Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about... Being a, being a good teacher is, you know, you have to be able to read your student and find what, you know, if it's not working, you need to pull out a new tool. It's about As a teacher, you need to have this massive toolbox because if one thing's working with another student, that doesn't mean it's going to work with a different student, you know? Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. I bet you say good day. Good day, howdy. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good, isn't it? I love, I love the whole. The I'm still, I'm still a massive fan of the internet, just bringing people closer. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. You know, imagine, imagine this. Twenty years ago, or even ten, uh, ten maybe, nah, maybe not. Maybe twenty years ago, when, when you wanted to have a chat with someone across the other side of the planet, it would have to be done, uh, on a on a home phone, and there'd be that horrible delay, and. Yeah, and you wouldn't even get to know half the people that we know now thanks to you know Facebook and things like that. Yeah, totally true. You'd have to be pen pals. Yeah. Did you yeah. Ever, ever have a pen pal when I, you were little? I'm one of the worst writers on the planet. My writing is atrocious. Um, and uh, for me to have a pen pal would be an amazing feat. Although I did have one. Um, there was a, when I was young, maybe about five or, or seven years old, there was a, a girl who lived down the street and she moved to England. And she sent me messages and letters and I sent some back and had a bit of a crush on her. But, you know, that, that disappeared as letters become boring to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for spending some time chatting. It's, um, I, I, I get the opportunity to do these as much as I can. There's a lot of great oh. knowledge and great wisdom out there and I'll be following your site and your Facebook and, and I'd, I'd love to help. I'd love to have the chat just to... to to, I guess, combine forces across the planet with some of the stuff that I'm doing and some of the amazing things that you are doing. Oh, thank you. I feel the same way about you. Oh, thank you very much. Is it bothering you I don't have my camera on? I can turn my camera that's on. That's okay. I'm, I'm only getting audio anyway. I just turned mine on because that's... Thing. I look like a nerd. Look at that. You've got a microphone got and everything. glasses on. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend's like a, a kind of a sound engineer, okay. so that's handy. I always have the good techie mm -hmm. tools. Nice. I go lowbrow. I've got my... Um, I use this a lot when I do a lot of my podcasts. It's just the the iPhone's headset. And it's plugged into the side of the Mac. Um, I downloaded a app uh, last night that records both the cameras if they're on and the audio in three separate tracks. Nice. So then I can edit and, and make good little good little videos of this stuff if I if that's one of the interviews that we're doing. But this is only audio, so don't have, don't even have to worry Yay. about brushing your hair. Have Have you started recording? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. By the way, this phone call may be recorded for training and security purposes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you said training and insecurity purposes, Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yes. So, yeah, I just hit record. And these are not really interviews. They're not Q&As. They're just general chats. And I, I had a, a good chat with a, an Adelaide educator last night who was he's actually doing really well um, in the world of, of music education here in Australia. Uh, or Adelaide in particular, he teaches like 90 kids a week. He's, he's, uh, he's definitely kicking goals. What does he teach? He uh, teaches piano. Mm -hmm. He's been teaching for 27 years. Nice. Um, and yeah, he's got, a, he's got a really 
good way of of not just teaching the skills. And he's got guys that go through. Um, uh, he's through the conservatory, and he's got guys that he helps get through the conservatory here as well. And he uh, he he teaches in a really connecting way, which is super important. Mm-hmm. It's, it, he just really right. connects with with every single one of his students. Uh, he's never had to advertise. Every student he's got is from word of mouth, and he's had them for years. Nice. Mm. I was in I was in a similar situation. I taught. I started teaching private lessons, you know, fresh out of high school. But then when I quit my full time teaching job, I opened my first private lesson studio, and I didn't. I felt bad recruiting really hard because there were, um, you know, all my friends were the private lesson teachers and I had, you know, my public teaching background. So I just kind of took word of mouth and I ended up getting the students who had like developmental or physical disabilities, Mm -hmm. you know, the homeschoolers, the people who nobody else wanted ended up coming to me. And so I actually got very, very fortunate. I had one trumpet student with me for four years from the time he was in fourth grade till eighth grade. And he only had a left hand. So he had a little modified trumpet that he played. It was really cool. That's cool. There's a there's a company here in Australia called the Support Act, and they help raise funds, or they're a non for profit charity, and they raise funds for musicians that have hit hard times through an injury or an accident, and they've helped a guy um, create a, a left handed or one handed uh, saxophone. Nice. Yeah. So it's very. I can't even imagine the the thought that would have to go into playing that. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone designing it. I love the design scope of that. But the guy that's got to play, he's he now is back in love with life because he can play his uh, his instrument. You know. So well, he's... it just goes to show how you know your your passion can really change other people's lives if you let it. Absolutely. Absolutely. In for good and bad. Uh, yeah, this is true. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> Look at on, everybody in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you touched on a really amazing topic. Um, you ended up getting developmental uh, issued, uh, problematic students. And mm-hmm. that really puts your teaching on a, in, on a microscope. You have to just be a real good teacher to get through to some of these guys. And, and that is, there are teachers who don't want to teach I'm not going to say it, but that kind of student, it's a horrible totally thought. Yeah. And they don't want to teach because they don't really get the whole teaching thing. They just share some wisdom that they've gained through going through university. And they, they just mm-hmm. pass off how they were learnt. And I haven't gone through university. I've not had one teaching um, uh, music lesson in my life. Right. Yet I get to play on some amazing stands uh, with some amazing musicians. And, but then I love the teaching side of it because of those little challenges that come my way. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got, we're working with a student. If anyone is listening right now, any of my followers, they'll know one of our uh, students called Jacob. Jacob Chris Rock Drums. He shouldn't be alive. He was born extremely premature. He's had two, yeah. uh, three brain surgeries, two face surgeries. He's had two abdominal surgeries. His uh, intestines were behind his lungs at one point. Um, he, wow. went in, he went in for a CAT scan because he had a, a blockage in his um, um, uh, uh, brain. So while he was doing the um, under uh, in the MRI, he lost consciousness and died. So they had to revive him. So broke all of his sternum. And but the guy is such an inspiration. He just loves drums and loves music, and he's just rocking it. And 
one of my students met him for the first time yesterday, and the student that I was um, the student that I taught after Jacob. Um, he's he's kind of a little bit just. He's always looking for, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do this because of this, because of this. I'm like, dude, this guy shouldn't be alive and he is kicking goals. Yeah. What's your excuse? Really? Yeah. My my dad, you know, is a lifelong music educator as well. So I kind of come from that stock. Mm-hmm. And he used to say, argue for your limitations and sure enough, they are yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but, good. I mean, be, being, a, being a good teacher is, you know, you have to be able to read your student and find what, you know, if it's not working, you need to pull out a new tool. Mm. And so I've always talked about as a teacher, you need to have this massive toolbox because if one thing's working with another student, that doesn't mean it's going to work with a different student. You know, the more ways that you have to solve the same problem or teach the same concept, the better a teacher you are, especially if you can read that student Mm. and understand Totally, totally. One of the Not things, everybody has that skill. No, it's a learnt skill and some people deny even wanting to learn it. They're like, I just teach the way that I learn. If they don't want to follow, then that's their bad luck. Go find another teacher. Right. But then what happens is that student finds another teacher and the same problem happens. That student finds another teacher, the same problem happens. That student goes and plays basketball instead. So we, right. we may have lost an amazing uh, musician. And mm-hmm. the... The sad thing is that the the student is the essence of of why we teach, not our own self indulgent bullshit. The student, and I know so many teachers that love to say that they 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 I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher, and like that's great. But let's just talk about the students that you're teaching because that is actually what it's all about. It's right. I mean, the conversation I had last night with um, with David. It. He said it's, he could have just been a performer, a concert pianist and performed and performed and he'd rehearsed 40 hours a week and then perform one show every couple of weeks. And that mm-hmm. means that he only got to play in front of the amount of people that he played in front of. But he said right. he's got uh, compounding interest because he's got 10 students. It's multi-level marketing to a degree. <laughs> he's, got, he's, got 10, right. he's got 10 students that are all performing in front of hundreds of people every week. So he effectively, his skills and mannerisms, because they're all being like him, are being played in front of thousands of people every single week. Yeah, it's that's, a, of, that's it, a true legacy. That's awesome. It is. It's it's amazing. And and I think he, uh, he put it really well. So when that podcast comes out and uh, it, it's available, then you, you'll hear about that. Um, yeah, it's one of the things that we do with our organization is my partner, Michelle, uh, she's a whole brain practitioner, HBDI. Um, you, you may have right. heard of, have you heard of that one, HBDI? It's like a Myers-Briggs kind of thing, but it's kind of the world leader okay. in that sort of sort of stuff. And the organization that we run, it's really important that our educators know that every student that comes in will probably have one of four major personalities, but then can hybrid between either side of their main personality. Right. Not not going opposite because you've got like the red, blue, green, and and yellow quadrants of your brain. You know you understand upper, lower, and all that sort of. Right. Um, and one of the things that we run our educators through is a program where they get to understand their thinking style and how their teaching style will work best with other students' thinking styles, and the ability nice. and the ability to determine your students' learning style, thinking style, so you can teach to their style, not your own style. And uh, it's 
it's proven to be pretty successful. We've got an expo coming up on, in, on this one. This is coming up on the 25th of September. It's a Music Educators Expo. I'm running with the Music Teachers Association. And uh, Michelle's doing a keynote at that. Um, we've got a few other, whole, a whole heap of other amazing performers at that. But yeah, it's just, a, it's just an expo that really helps music educators like you and like me who usually work by themselves and we have no one to speak to and no one to, to bounce ideas off, to hang out in right. a room for a few hours and just bounce ideas yeah, those conferences are some of my my favorite times yeah. when you get to to visit with all those people. And your conferences over there are probably way more elaborate than our conferences here. Oh, I don't know. It depends on the conference. Okay. You know, the national one rotates around through different states, and I I've only ever been to one national one, but the state ones are pretty heavily attended. So yeah, they they used to be more heavily attended when um, we used to have professional development money, mm. right? When the schools would actually pay for the fees for teachers to go to some of these things. But uh, when budget cuts happen, it's like professional development is one of the first things to go, which yeah. is so unfortunate because it's like every study has shown that the number one thing that affects student learning is the teacher that's in front of them, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. investing in education should be investing in teacher education. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the, the thing with PD hours, well, I'm on the board or the, the council here of the, the MTASA, Music Teachers Association. Right. And the, the program, the, the expo we're running, will equate to X amount of PD hours. And they want to run that as a, a really prominent advertising point to get people through the door. Because right. our, our things like this, we have to really promote and show the benefits and it's not it's not just put something on and oh, because it's on, we'll go. You have to really prove the benefits to all the different types of people and all the different types of benefits. Um, right. And advertising PD days to get people through the door made me think about something a little bit. If educators um, are needing to accumulate certificates to meet their, their PD requirements, there are many other ways to personally develop yourself without having to go to a conference right um so you know I, I know the stuff that you've put on your facebook and your website is amazing and it's really it's showing it's showing other educators there are other tools to learn how to be a better educator not just waiting for a pd invitation right and so if yeah i sorry go on well i was just going to say that's exactly why i've decided to do what it what it is that I'm doing, you know, I've being a school music teacher and, you know, I feel like I had a really strong background coming out of college. I mean, my dad was a music teacher and I worked my way through school working at the local music store. So I had this huge collaboration. And then when I graduated um, college, I got hired to open a brand new school, which is a whole different set of tricks. A music you know? school? No, oh, um, a new middle school. Okay. Um, we had about 700 students and yeah. I was going to be the first instrumental music teacher. So that mean I had to do all the purchasing and all the budgets and everything. And I was overwhelmed and felt unprepared. I was like, you know, I can teach kids how to play their oboes and play them in tune and sound really good. <laughs> but I didn't know what I was looking at when they handed me a budget sheet, mm. you know? And so when I ended up getting my master's degree, I got it in business because I Perfect. thought, you know, when I go, when I go back to teaching, 
it's all business is the stuff that I'm really going to need to know. Recruiting is marketing mm -hmm. and advocacy is public relations mm -hmm. and, you know, financials is financials. And yeah. if you don't have that, that background, then your program will fail, Perfect. you know, which is exactly what we're seeing. So, and of course you're not taught these things in college, but no. they're essential things you need to know. Yeah. So, you know, a few months ago, I, I've been doing business consulting for like three years. And so I thought, you know, what I really want to do is, is my passion, which is music education mm -hmm. and then helping music educators in these ways that we're just not taught. Perfect. So. Perfect. That's so, so true. I, so I don't think I went into it in my, my podcast that I think you listened to the other day. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's a bit more of a deeper story. So I was working for an organization, transport organization. My appendix blew out, went to hospital, yeah. got well enough to come back to work and realized I could have, like my appendix blew up and I got a collapsed lung and I got pneumonia. So I could have literally yeah. died in my, you know, at, at, before my 30s. I held my breath that whole story, by the way. Oh, it was, I was like, you know, please tell me he lives. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it was, it was pretty traumatic for me and, and I couldn't teach and it was literally four weeks or five weeks of me doing nothing. I lost all my strength, all my body weight and all my core strength. I lost everything and, and I used up all my sick pay, all my holiday pay, so I had no money. But in my mind, I had to get well enough to go back to work for a place that I didn't want to work for. So it was one of those clicks. You know, we all have a defining, changing moment. I think that was one of them for me, one of many. And the um, uh, I forgot where I was going with that story because that's how my brain works. <laughs> the 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 point that I was at that point, I really struggled to want to go back to working for that organisation. So then I went and got a business diploma knowing that I really want to understand business a little bit more, even though I've ran my own organization since I was 17 and ran some businesses and, and done a whole heap of things. And, you know, I, I made stress balls and things like that for my, parent, my, my teachers and I made business cards for my teachers and sold them off to my teachers. I'm doing this stuff at primary school. And I really got thrown into the deep end when, when my dad and I started or well, ran this uh, TV video repair company. And I went, well, this is great, but... Running a business is fun, but actually knowing some of the back-end stuff that you don't learn. I didn't learn. I left school in year 10. I didn't get the chance to even learn this stuff in year 11 and 12, and I know they don't teach that in 11 and 12. So I had to polish up on that stuff, and I learned a lot. So we ran through this um, this diploma, and it was from start. For the first few weeks, I was re referring it back to the organization that I was working at the time, the transport industry. And when they would do an example of a good business and a bad business, I would be wait, that bad example is where I work. And again, <laughs> yeah. that bad example is where I work. Am I able to fix where I work? No. All right, so I kind of backtracked and started the modules again and put that into in my business into the module in, in developing from start to finish this whole business structure. And, right. and uh, you know, it was, it was at that point where I went, okay, I know that I'm not the only music education, educator on the planet that's probably needing some help in music education business. And, mm -hmm. and you see a lot of musicians, and it's perfectly fine that musicians sit in their room and get amazing at their craft. Then they go out and jump on a stage and get amazing at sharing their craft. But I've seen professional uh, musicians wanting to be professional that would write their invoice on the back of a napkin and hand it to the, <laughs> pub, hand it to the owner of the venue. I've seen it done. 
at the end of the day, uh, I'd be playing for a guy who's booked me to, to play drums for a show and, and he would be uh, having a chat with the manager of the bar at the end of the day and at the end of the night. And the, the guy's like, so how do we pay you? Uh, and and the, the muso, friend, professional muso, that wants to be treated professionally goes, oh, cash is fine. And the, and the guy goes, oh, we need an invoice from you. Oh, sure, I'll go write one up for you. And literally wrote an invoice amount pay now on a thing. Like, bro, <laughs> that's not professional. And that gives right. every other musician a bad, put them in a bad basket. Not every other musician, but others, you know. So right. it's, it's super important to make sure that the music education, we understand that it's made up of musicians. And to be a music educator, there's a, there's a thing that I, I'll share with you. It's, um, it's kind of like a mind map of what happens with the music education and everything else that happens around it. And there's so much more around it that you don't understand until you see it and you go, yes, that happens, yes, that happens. And then it, everything falls back into just the lesson. Right. And it's so important that, that people like you can help just lead, lead the music educators who are struggling a little in, in managing a profit or creating a profit or finding students and marketing and communications and documents and business cards and websites and all the things that you should and need to happen need to have right. in order for your business to happen properly. So tell me, tell me one of the programs that you've, you've got running on your site. You've got a number of them. I'm looking at them right now. Well, right now I've been, I've spent the last week building a course for writing grants. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to actually end up kind of not just looking at it as grant writing, but as proposal writing. So even though you may never apply for a grant, you still need to know how to write a solid proposal mm -hmm. because then you can turn that into the local businesses who, for sponsorship, you can, you know, use that same kind of thought process. And, and that's what I'm really focusing on. It's not just, you know, here's a checklist of what you need, but I'm, I'm, in the course, working them through how to develop that stuff in their brain, how to do the thought process, which is, is something that I know I have a real natural ability in mm -hmm. that not a lot of people do. Yeah. So I've broken it down and it goes step by step sequentially. And I'm getting it up on a membership site this week. Great. So I'll be doing some free webinars next week, hopefully. Perfect. And yeah, so that's that's the first one. But uh, do you want to hear my big goal? Yeah, let's tell people where the okay. website is. So sovereignmusicschool.com is. Oh, that that one is where oh, you need to go. That's see? your site, right? I'm looking at you right now. Well, okay. So the other one that I, the one that I'm working on the most is elisa-jones.com. Okay. So the Sovereign Music School, that's my private lesson site, and right. I actually don't do very much with it. So that's awesome that you brought it up. Okay. <laughs> but. Yeah, so I, I do teach a handful of private students still. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly that's just for my own edification. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But my big goal is to, to do, you know, online PD and and uh, help teachers out that way. That's great. That's really good. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm doing similar. Um, I've got etimusic.com. Um, ETI right. Limited is the parent company. There's a couple of divisions. I think that site's down at the moment. We're doing some changes. Um, so that's the music business and the music... Um, uh, the, the music school kind of stuff, so the teaching. So ETI, the way the business is structured is I'm, I'm Pete Barter and I'm a business and I, and I service a position within ETI Music, which is a subdivision of ETI Limited. 
Um, so, you know, it's crazy business structures, but that just works. And if you're into tax, then that's what needs to happen. Right. Um, if you're not into well, tax, you need to be. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to revamp my whole life a couple of years ago because I got divorced, oh. which is not fun, but mm-hmm. it does force you to have to rethink things. Yep. So my, my business consultancy, because I do still have a handful of private clients, is Sovereign Business Consulting, LLC. So that's my tax entity. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, I thought I really need to make a little more money because I have three kids at home to provide for. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching private lessons again, really recruiting that up. And then I got a job teaching part-time K-5 music at a Catholic school, which yeah. is what I do. Yeah. And then, of course... I got this idea that I want to, I want to do online courses for music educators. So sorry, that was kind of a long first description. Well, you've got to do more than one. And (laughs) and yeah, it's my hat's off because you need to, you need to find out where people are struggling. And and I I don't, I don't even like the word entrepreneur. I don't even know how to spell the damn thing. I hate it. But, yeah, yeah. and so you know we're building this software solution for for music educators, and, and I'm not here to talk about that. But and people are like, oh, you're an you're an entrepreneur, you're fixing a problem. I'm like, no, I'm just getting shit done because these the 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 way that a music educator works is go, this is hard, this is hard, this is hard. I'll do it pen and paper. Oh, I've lost my diary. Who's scheduled in? Who's paid me? Who hasn't paid me? Oh, this is too hard. I'll go work at Coles or Safeway or you <laughs> right. know. So. And I don't want to see the industry lose amazing educators because of a piece of freaking paper. Right. Just not scheduling and not having money come in, a piece of paper being not just the booking scenario, but the tangible, the noty, the money, money stuff. You know, if because right now in America, you've probably done all these um, studies as well, but we, we're looking at the market that we're about to deploy in and the music education industry in America is a two-point... Uh, $2.1 billion per year industry and that's based on exclusive, um, really primitive primitive numbers from the uh, USA Music Teachers Association. Right. Um, and here in Australia, we've got maybe, well, I've got a database that's pretty big. Um, there's probably about 20,000 active music educators here on wow. on a list, and that's being conservative. It's probably fifty, maybe a hundred thousand. But yeah. by taking a little bit of that info, a little bit of that info from Australia, and sort of going, well, they're saying this much, they're saying this much, they're way out of the park with this much. Let's get some kind of uh, conservative um, average. So it's not very many. Australia is very small, and uh, the other stat that I uh, Michelle found out yesterday was there's seven hundred fifty thousand lessons per week happening here in Australia. Wow, and that's based on the business, um, the Australian um, uh, business statistics site, ABS, um, the Bureau of Statistics. So there's 750,000 lessons per week happening in Australia, which is 20, makes up for 20% of outside of school hours primary school kids. So little Johnny's after after school, and he goes and have a lesson with somebody. There's 20. 20% of Australia's population of kids are doing that. Only 20. In the UK, yeah. it's 64. Right. So we're less than quarter. They're more than double. You know, more than half, sorry. So 
and I'm, I, we're trying to understand why it's so low here in Australia and, and I'm really delving in and getting some papers written to identify that problem just here in Australia. Um, and I, I'd love to be able to just maybe work with you on this because you've got your head around the American stuff and figure out what stats there are in, in the USA in regards to who, what, what, is your, what is your thumbprint, what is your census of music education? Or do you know that? Right. I don't think there's even any way to find out, quite honestly, because like if, if I had a student who wanted to, or a child that want, wanted to take an instrument, mm-hmm. right? And I wanted to get them into private lessons. I might go to like the local music store and they would hand me a list of like 200 music teachers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would have to call everyone on that list if I felt that good about it, you know, yeah. but probably I'd ask for referrals or I'd post on Facebook and then chances are good that that person that I end up getting sent to is just taking cash under the table, you know, probably isn't paying taxes, doesn't have any kind of, you know, business structure whatsoever. They're the granny down the street playing piano in church. And so she happens to teach all of the kids who go to her church private piano lessons. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you if you look at just tax reporting, I don't think you're going to get, you know, one fifth no. probably of the, the number of, of private teachers who are actually reporting. Yeah. And there's, you know, the other option is with music stores, you know, some of the music stores here have private lesson studios and they just rent them out to the no. private teacher. So the yeah. private teacher can still take as much money as they want. They just pay the $5 per lesson to the music store. So still there's no reporting other than the music store saying that they got this much rental income yeah. from those. So I don't know. Does that make sense? It, I feel like it, it happens here too. There's just, there's no, I've, I've known in all my career, one school of music that was private lessons and actually did all the reporting and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it, so rare. It is. Well, that happens here as well. And I would like to ask um, the the music teacher. I'm not one, and I don't know if I've ever been a cash under the counter kind of music teacher because I'm running a business, and I want to be professional and I want to manage it like a business because you know running a business is better than being on the dole and you know right. being on on benefits. And the I want to ask the educator who is doing the under the counter stuff if they think that's the best option and why they don't run a proper business because if they're already making money they're running a business if they're selling a service for some money they're swapping their time for money they're effectively running a business but they just right. don't have the business stuff around it which means that if for example here in Adelaide some musicians in recent times have gone Adelaide's great I've done what I need to do I'm moving to Melbourne or, or Sydney because that's where music happens Melbourne's eight hour drive or half hour plane trip away so they, they, they give out all their students, they stop and they just share the students with everyone else or they just stop and say, hey, I'm not teaching anymore, see you later. And then they go and they go and operate and start again in Melbourne. And, and there's a lot more music education happening in Melbourne, maybe four times, probably maybe even 10 times as much here in Adelaide. So it's a bigger market, there's, it's, it's a bigger industry for music and music education, music development. But when this guy left Adelaide, these guys who leave Adelaide, they don't realize that they've set up a business they could sell. And if I'm a music teacher and I see that someone's about to leave the country or leave the state and not be able to service all their students, I see that as an opportunity for me to say, hey, you've got X amount of income. You've got 20 students a week. 
that's about a thousand dollars a week, which I'd love to have that additional thousand dollars a week, even if it's not right. doing it. Even if I'm like, hey, I've got a drum teacher who's just starting, I can give you five hundred dollars a week guaranteed because I have thousand dollars a week coming in. You know, there's a buffer zone there, so it's a business, and you sell a business. It's you can create it, sell it, move on. Create it, sell it, move on. Yeah, and, and it's. And or even keep taking a retainer from every single lesson if you manage the thing and you know it's yeah it it strikes me why well I don't know why I I don't have that mindset I need to figure out what is the issue with running a proper business because you the biggest benefit to running a music education organization is you're a musician and you're making money from your passion and you get to do it more often and there's a tax break you get to buy instruments and you get to do extra things based on the love of your instrument that help you make mm-hmm. money like you only travel around to gigs there was one guy here in adelaide who was a music business education guy at a at a local music education school and we had a bit of a chat and um i said oh look you know as a good music educator you can make 80 grand a year he goes well how do you do that i said well it's maybe 40 students a week oh right. 80 grand a year but then you got to pay tax on that I'm like, dude, what you are teaching business to music educators or you no know, business. You're, sorry, you're teaching business to musicians and you've got that mentality. Dude, what is your – so where did you park your car? He said, oh, I parked, I parked just out the front. Well, okay, so how much did you pay for parking? Oh, it was like seven bucks. Okay, so what do you do with that receipt? He said, what do you mean? Bad. It's horrible. Okay, so here's what you need to do. You need to have an all-in-one, easy package for people, right? And you call it like, make your music teaching legitimate, mm. okay? And and it walks them through how to set up their business entity, and then it gives them the software that you're developing, yeah. and it gives them a little recruiting plan, you know, and it's like a little all-in-one package. I think it needs to be so simple. And like you said, with the PD things, you know, you've really got to show them the benefits of being that business entity. And it sounds like you've got the right idea. We just need to make it easy enough for people to actually do it. Yeah, yeah. We're working really hard on the marketing because we know that it's, it's not it's it's there to help. And we know that there's a massive market, even with the ones that do need it. But there's a massive potential for those that don't think they do, but would prosper more if they did. Right, um, and your your mic's getting a little bit. It's it's sounding a little bit different now. Something's happened. Maybe we're lagging in bandwidth, or something went gamey. Is, is that a little bit better? That's that's better. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. Good old tech. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, my boyfriend's got all this great stuff. It is. Yeah. What's his name? Doesn't matter. <laughs> no. Um, Matt Jansen. Actually, he's a professional freelance photographer. Nice. That's so, cool. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. He He's like, uh, yeah, you can check him out. That once Just, again, that's another that's another creative arts industry that people do on the side, and they shouldn't. And they take and they take money under the table. He's not like that though. He's he's got you to, to help him out. Fresh. Yeah, he does have me to whip him into shape, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, so. Yeah, creative arts. It's one of those things where you start learning. You start learning something before you even think that you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. Like it's a passion, it's an excitement. You're a young kid. You don't you don't often say, and maybe it happens sometimes, but you don't often say to yourself, 
I'm going to learn piano because I'm going to be a piano business advisor or a piano teaching advisor or a, or a, you might have the dream of being a performing musician like a concert pianist or a, or a jazz guy or, or whatever. So it's um, the creative arts. The highest paid people in the world are musicians or sports stars because they do it before they even they do it because they love it before there's any money involvement or anything like that and then they go wow this is really good i'm actually going to make some money because i'm good if i get better i might might make more but then if they don't manage the business not just their talent if they don't manage the business then they don't work too well then they fall in a heap and then it's all right well that was that was suck that that was sucky and i'll have to go and work at coles you know, I beat up on Coles. I'm sure it's not a. I'm sure it's not a hate, a hateful job. That's where they. That's where um, their recruiting all comes from. From your podcasts, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So Coles is like a local, uh, you know, thing, and maybe maybe they'll sponsor me one day, and they'll they'll say, "Hey, Coles is actually a really good place to work." And I'll be, "Tell me why." <laughs> I'm actually impressed. You have a Coles there in Australia. Ah, I'm impressed that you know what Coles is. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, uh i have my moments yeah so you've got so obviously we've we've got a couple of um 7-elevens here not so much here in adelaide but they're a they're a sydney melbourne um right uh organization we've just got krispy creams have just landed here in, in adelaide <laughs> they've been in melbourne the only place in australia they've been forever is in the melbourne airport um and uh there's a local company here that bought the franchise or franchised it into adelaide and and they, 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 I love just watching the way they market and they deploy these things. They create the urgency. They create the amazingness. And they put this one 24-hour location. It's huge right in the middle of the city and it's drive-through 24 hours. And, and they build the anticipation. We're opening in 12 hours and there's like 24 hours worth of lineups. Dudes were parking in their cars for 24 hours to get the yeah. first Krispy Kreme. It would have been quicker and cheaper to fly to Melbourne and get your thing from the airport. But... They just do this, and then once that dies down, they're still part of their strategy. Then they open up on all these other stores. You can get Krispy Kremes in every corner store now. It's created yeah. the addiction. They're addict. I've never had one. I've only had Krispy Kremes coffees. <gasps> I've never had a Krispy Kreme. So I'm trying to be healthy. Okay, you have to. If you're going to get one, though, you have to go in when the hot light is on, and get it while it's hot. That's the only way to do it. Hot as in, it's not worth it otherwise. It's a hot it's a hot donut, is that what you mean? It's not a hot sale. Yeah, it's a hot okay. donut. So so I don't know how they are in Australia, but in the US, we had one open in my hometown. And so I remember when that happened and wow. the, the whole fuss over the whole thing. But it's it's like a its own little conveyor. Like you can watch the donuts oh, yeah. being made okay. and then when they're hot and fresh, they'll just give you a free one. They'll be like, here, hot fresh donut. And it's like melt in your mouth, awesomeness. Crazy. So yeah, yeah. but wait, I, right. I just had breakfast this morning at this place that you might have there. Um, they they do it's like a hamburger joint, <laughs> and they they sell Coca Cola. It's called McDonald's. Have you heard of that? <laughs> nah, steer away from that too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have Macca's. We don't have we don't have Burger King though. We have Hungry Jacks. Ah, um, you know, it's a sub staple diet of many musicians. It's it's they can't afford to eat healthy. Let's face it, eating healthy is expensive. It's not it's not a it's not a top shelf it's not a top shelf uh, dining experience. Let's let's talk. Let's be honest here. It's quick and it's easy and it's on the way to a gig because you're running late and it just works. And 
I've seen many musicians, I used to be one that would go to a gig late and I'll be stuffing my face with a hamburger and feel absolutely shit house for the rest of the gig. And wonder why. Yeah. And wonder why. Maybe it was the alcohol, maybe it was the burger. I was gonna say, I what are you washing it down with? Oh yeah, I don't do like... much of either of those things that, that anymore. It's I'm trying to I'm trying to be the the I'm look, I'm trying to be a role model. And I'm I'm I know that so this is one of the things that I see happen so often back onto the topic of music. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally went off there. <laughs> and, uh, being in the in the topic of a music educator and the uh, I had a I had a chat with a guy around a barbecue and I was explaining something that I see often. And one specific venue, the teacher would come down with the lesson, with the student at the end of the student's lesson, light up a smoke. And I don't know if you're smoking, I don't care, but I think it's disgusting. So he walked down the stairs. He, he lit up the smoke at the very top of the stairs. He'd walk down with the student smoking. The student's like 10 or 15 years old smoking, like just a cigarette. And right. then the next student would rock up and he'd send the other student up. He'd say, I'll be up in a minute. I'll just finish the smoke. And I saw him do that at every freaking lesson. So every half hour, he would smash a smoke into his lungs. I could imagine how that small little room would smell because he was teaching guitar in a small little cubicle space. Mm. Um, you know, doors are shut, no windows. Um, right. You know, I'm like, that is just horrible. But the kid doesn't know any different. He might, might have a parent that smokes, so it's fine. But I guarantee that kid's probably, it's a good chance that kid's going to smoke. Right. It's, we call them micro inequities. Those little things that kids notice, that the way you use your language, the way you dress, your posture, your, your, your communication, um, it's... That, that is far more of a lesson than the actual lesson. Kids are going to learn scales. They can do that scaly, learn scale stuff on YouTube and be bad at it, but they can learn it. But they don't learn the personality stuff very well on YouTube. In fact, they do. But when they watch these crazy cat videos and they think that people are excited about the crazy cat videos, I don't know what the hell people watch these things for. But, <laughs> but they get a lot of views. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Maybe we should do this. Have like a crazy cat video that goes viral, but somewhere in the middle, there's 30 seconds of like, and here's how we play, play a pentatonic scale. And now back to the crazy cat movies, you know, and then we could say that we've had, <laughs> we've had a movie, we've had a YouTube video that's had a hundred million hits, but it's got cat crap either side of it. I don't know. It's, we've got to try and market. Well, to the, what the, do you think Gangnam style is, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, isn't Gangnam Style teaching to maintain a steady pulse? Mm, yes, I do. I use that. I use that there example. You, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So we put dance music with cat clips and we teach people how to write um, music to suit. Uh, one of my friends, Marty Rice, I've interviewed him. His, his podcast is coming up in the archive series. He wrote a song which mimicked dolphin sounds. He's, a, he's an amazing guitarist, very much like Steve Vai. Um, and he's got some amazing credentials uh, as a teacher and as a performer. And he wrote this song, and the number one song on that album was um, called Dolphin, Dolphin Jam. And he's mimicking the sound of dolphins. It's amazing. I should look that up. Yeah, I'll send what you the link. It? I'll send you the link. Dolphin, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, Dolphin Jam by Marty Rice. So, and that, that's where these podcasts end up. We just talk about amazing things, and some people just don't. It's, he's just a local Adelaide guy. It's yeah, it's insane. Um, band, it's probably on Bandcamp, I reckon. Dolphin uh, Jam. Dolphin Jam, Marty Rice. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my mic is in my keyboard. You probably heard me typing really That's loud. Okay. That's okay. 
Marty Rice. Nah, that's not it. Uh, I'll find it. Let's not make it boring for these listeners. Um, I'll find it and send it to you. <laughs> if you keep looking, you'll, you'll find it. But Dolphin Jam. Okay. Uh, I will search it out. Yep. Is Yeah, it's amazing. And he's, it's like a – yeah, it's beautiful. It's such a – it's got a really – oh, there's a film clip. That's right. I'll, I'll show you that. Um, yeah, he's, he's really – he was one of – so the way that ETI music started mm-hmm. was I was teaching drums and um, – Someone contacted me and said, hey, do you teach singing or do you teach guitar or whatever? And I went, well, no, but I know someone who does. Let me make a phone call. And I called, I first started with the vocal teacher. um, And then Marty was like, hey, man, I want to start teaching some more because he was already teaching at another organization. And I said, "Um, sure, man. So what what days are you free? And I'll, I'll make sure if anyone rings, I can point them towards that day. Right. So we found a day that worked. I said, I'm going to pay you X amount. And I'm going to keep X amount. He said, that's $3 more than I'm getting in this other venue and they do no promotion. I mean, that's interesting. Um, so uh, I, I really was interested to hear how they, how they ran their business. That helped me model mine. I took all the good things and the bad things and, and combined them all together. Um, and he just started teaching and he has, like we had this reward and recognition program for, I, I kept track of every single lesson that happened. Um, if, they had any students that were leaving, any students that would come, and the re- retention. And he, year after year, or term after term, it'd be Marty Rice. You've given the most amount of lessons, and nobody has left. <laughs> so he started teaching more days, and we just started adding more, more, um, yeah, more students to his to his day. End up leaving this other organization, so he can work um, more in an organization that was paying him more. And and I was doing the promotions, right. and he was definitely one of the one of the crazy guys that stayed in his room, had an amazing talent, but he had, he had, he doesn't have now, he's worked through this, but he had some anxiety issues and he couldn't perform on stage, which was such a shame because he was just an amazing performer. He wrote an album, got to the end of the process and went, that was great. I'm kind of probably going to hang up my guitar now. And we're all going, no, bro, like you've just, you've just started this, this album this song, this one track is for a local Adelaide guy that's not really into promoting and it's, it's had like only 2,700 views but it's right. it's still, um, he won a competition and when he was sort of suggesting that he's going to quit, I'm like, nah, don't man, don't don't quit, don't quit. Uh, he's doing some real estate training at the moment because that's helping him with his with his personal persona. Um, he's a sure. great, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Um and he put something on Facebook the other day which really annoyed me and it happened so often. Someone asked him for drum or guitar lessons and they would pay him in pizza. Hmm. And it was a public request and like it was on Facebook. Hey, man, like really keen to, to have some lessons with you. Come around. Let's hang out for an hour and I'll buy you pizza if you teach my son drums. Right. And, and Marty got really upset about that, rightfully so. But that it, it's that's not professional. And if people are thinking – they could call a plumber or a dentist and say, "Hey, you know, I need a tooth pulled. Let's go and you know, let, let me take you for a for a for a counter mill somewhere, and and then I'll let you fix my pipes." It's no, you know, the music education industry needs to be professionalized because it's it's the future. The kids are the future of the globe, right? The planet. The kids are the ones that are going to move right. things forward, and the way that they are treated is going to be the way that they treat people. So if we get proper professional music educators at the helm of, of 
social responsibility, like actual proper social, not business where they're, they're putting a billion dollars into the rainforest but making a trillion dollars on poker machines. Not that trillion dollar, not that, not that social responsibility, but an actual right. social like conversation responsibility into the students that are going to be leading the future of, you know, we might have students that we're working with right now that, or there may be a musician student, a, a music student somewhere on the planet that may become a politician or a president. We don't know. But if, if we're teaching kids sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and we're, we're, we're doing a horrible, having, giving horrible lessons, they're not going to come through as often with the need to change the globe in a positive way. They're just going to go, well, this guy sure. smokes, so I'm going to smoke, and I'm going to die of cancer, and it's all going to be fine. You know, we've got to have the attitude of we're all going to die of something, so it might as well be smoking. No. Right. I would rather die with my drum kit blowing up on stage because you know that's I love playing and <laughs> you know like spinal tap right well i i think that the problem is is really deeply rooted at least for school music teachers which is where my focus is mm-hmm. you know part of part of their identity is like well i'm a teacher cuz I care more about the world and about serving kids than about money. Mm. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my ability to make money to be able to teach music, Mm. you know? So how do you dig down and change people's internal perspective of themselves, Mm. you know, where they can say, no, I am worth, you know, $500 more a week because Mm. I'm teaching marching band or I am worth, you know, not, being given yeah. pizza in exchange for pay. Yeah. So how do we change that perception in our industry though at that base level? Mm. Making, in my mind, it's making the outer perimeter and the resources professional. Um, there's, if you, this is horrible. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't even know who owns this site. I think it's music, musicteachers.com.au, I think it is, yeah musicteachers.com.au check it out it's if you're listening to this podcast listeners stop what you're doing pull over your car and look at this site who the hell does this to our industry who does this it's the 21st century are you seeing this (laughs) you know like official website australian directory of music and speech teachers official website (laughs) That is so. Oh wait, they have a spinning treble class. So uh, they have a gift. They have a gift. Uh, that makes me oh, sad. Oh, that is terrible. It's disgusting. It's I. I'm not even so. Con, contact us at Music T. I'm not even going to contact them. Um, they're in Croydon, so it's like I'm looking at the PO. I don't even know who owns it. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. I'm gonna fix this because if you're a music teacher, the Musicians Union website up until recent times here in Australia, was exactly the same. It looked like, it's come on, you're trying to be a representing body of one of, the, one, of the, one of Australia's largest industries. It's up there with mining. There is more people talking music than there is mining. There's more people having right. education than there is becoming a miner, you know, digging holes in our, in our dirt. There's more people doing music and this represents that. That's terrible. You know, I'm like, this is not right. I'm not the world's well, best you know, site developer, but I know that this could be fixed a little bit. So my, my dad loves to tell a story. Sorry, I keep bringing up my dad, but that's where a lot of my influence came mm-hmm. from as an educator. He said, you know, if a, if a, if a musician goes into a party and the, the party host comes and says, oh, 
oh, you're the local choir teacher. Do you mind sitting down and playing some piano and singing us a tune? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he says, sure, as long as the dentist will come over and yeah. check everybody's teeth. You know, as long as the lawyer will counsel everybody on their most recent litigation. Yep. You know. Yeah. But again, how do we change that? We've got to change that perception somehow. And I think it's just, you know, people really being able to feel what they're worth. You yep. know, yep. I hate hearing, you know, my principal that won't pay me for the after school classes that he just asked me to teach. Mm. It's like, yep. then don't teach after school classes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Your time, <laughs> time is valuable. You can never get it back. Yeah, and and all it takes is asking. So we just need to make absolutely. sure people. Well, here's here's know how to I'm, ask. here's part of um you know this Sammy that we're trying to part of what Sammy's going to do uh, without uh, how can I make it a simple explanation? Imagine having every single student that you've ever taught register automatically. It registers that they're learning. It registers that they're developing. I don't like using the word practice and homework because kids don't like those two words from school. So we're changing the language a little bit. So if the student's at home developing between lessons and it can manage the amount of minutes that they've spent on one particular task or a series of, of maybe they're developing for half hour a week between lessons. Right. And some weeks they do zero and some weeks they do 100 hours. And could you imagine when that student becomes 20, to look at a, at a register of, of how many hours they've put into developing their craft and then when they write their, their $50 invoice on a napkin, they can think to themselves, hang on a minute, I've just spent my whole life getting to this point and they've got records that show that. Yeah, I think, exactly. And think that, that just might be something that people can, can look at on a, on a simple mobile-first device and say, you know what, I've spent... 10,000 hours of my life getting to this point, and that's classed as mastery, the 10,000 hours, you know, the, the business mastery. Right, yeah. And I speak to some musicians, and I don't even have any idea what that means. Like, what is? what do you mean 10,000 hours? And there's books and there's concepts based on that. But there's also a yeah. guy I spoke about in a recent podcast. Um, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he wrote a book about challenging that 10,000-hour mastery. It's not about just doing stuff for 10,000 hours. It's about absolutely precision mastery practice and and development with a with a cause with an absolute perfection of a snare drum note every single time you do it it's not just watching the clock um you may have students and i've got students that would just practice for the amount of time that i say to go home and practice go and spend right. out 10 hours doing or 10 minutes doing this and they literally look at the clock and they do just flappy arm things on top of the snare drum until the top the clock ticks over, and then they go, "Yes, I've practiced for ten minutes." But they've wasted no, time. Oh, you creating. haven't. They've worsened this technique because they they've gone backwards. So that's something that I can't manage because I'm not in every single home watching the kids practice. That'd be super creepy. But if I can if I can just set the persona of practice is practice, playing is playing, but developing is developing, and you need to I figure like out which one you're doing. Playing on a stage, you never play what you haven't practiced or developed. Practicing is just going over the routine and just, all right, we all know what the hell a single stroke roll is. We all know what a C major scale is on a piano. Going over that over and over again, it creates the, the, the muscle memory and everyone uses that term. It, it creates the, the, the pattern that your brain just knows what to do by default. You don't have to think about it. But developing 
is adding extra value to what you can already play. So then when you do get to play on a stage, you can add something a little bit extra for the audience and for the bands. Right. So I think there's three areas that need to be talked about, not just write a lesson, awesome, go home and practice, I'll see you next week. And not everybody's going to practice the right way. Some do, some over-practice, um, and some just make noise, like my dog barking. Well, I wonder if there I wonder if there are some techniques that you could, you know, Sammy, like some Sammy. You met Sammy in my podcast. Yes, I did. <laughs> hey, Sammy. Sorry. <laughs> some techniques? No, it's fine. Yeah, some techniques that you can have a student do that gets them in that right frame of mind, you mm. know, that gets them using their conscious mind instead of just shuffling it back to the subconscious where it's mm. not actually progressing what they're doing. Like yep. there's some kind of meditation or technique or something mm. like that that wakes them up yep. so that they they do progress i that would be interesting to find out wouldn't it yeah yeah get him into uh there's a, a drummer here in uh melbourne called david jones no not the supermarket um uh, david jones is he is the most unique drum clinic i've i've ever been to i went to a i went to a, a drum clinic and there was three drummers um thomas lang um, uh, David Jones, Carl Lewis, who was a drummer for Savage Garden. You don't, maybe you've Savage Garden made their way over to mm -hmm. the States. Yep. So Carl Lewis yeah. was their drummer. Um, and, uh, there's another guy that played on some rolling stuff. Uh, amazing clinic, but the standout one for me was David Jones. David Jones, it was on this big stage where all these lights are and the PAs humming away in the background. And he jumps on the stage and he's dressed in his, his um, uh, purple Hindu robe, sits on a, sits on like a, um, a throne, like a drum, not a drum's throne, but like a, you know, a, a, a proper Buddhist monk thing. And, and I was probably 20 thinking, what? This guy's whack. What's going on here? And he said, can we just turn these lights off? Like they're really bright and I don't think I'm not a rock star. I don't need the bright lights. And actually, okay. let's kill the PA. It's, 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 I can make sound. I don't need this thing to be plugged in. It's acoustic drum kit. If I hit this, you can all hear me, right? It's a small little venue. Great. All right, so let's turn the PA off. And then he just sat there in silence for like a, a, a couple of seconds and went, now listen to that. It was just peaceful. He said, now I'm going to play to you this first four minutes of me playing, I'm going to play you every single note you've ever heard and every single note you've ever not heard yet. And I'm going to play that to you in for, for the next four minutes. So check it out. And he sat there and he meditated with us. He, he didn't, he didn't pre, he didn't preset anything. He just said, I'm going to just, and he just sat and meditated on this chair. He had his candles going and he started using his bell, his, his bowls and ringing bells towards the end. And I went, now I'm with this guy now because I've just experienced something that I've never experienced ever in a drum clinic or in a workshop. And he right. just made it so natural. And he was one and is one of the most accomplished drummers on the planet. He is just amazing. And he developed really quickly because of the, the mindset he put himself into before he started playing. Right. Um, and a couple of the guys in the front are all dressed in their black and they've got their earrings and they're like, Dude, play some death metal, dude. And then he just jumps on the double kick drum on the kit next to him and starts playing this smashing death metal like blast beats because he could do that too. 
Right. Amazing. And he's got albums that he's recorded of him just playing these beautiful sounding drums, and I'll share that with you as well. So I think the podcast listeners today in this hour, this hour just goes so quick, have got, yeah, it does. Have got like a concept. Let's recap. Oh, shit. Um, talked about bad fast food. We've talked about um, <laughs> all, the important, all the important topics. We've talked about music education, of course. We've talked about what, um, what industries look like here in Australia and over there and what they could look like. I think there's been so what much. What they should look like. What they should look like. And, and yeah. whether it's our, up to us to say should or not, I don't know. But I know that it would prosper better and have more of a, an economic standpoint if music, music teachers were being better music teachers because of the business, not because of yeah, they, they play good and they communicate good. That, that's fine. But they've got to have good business practices. Agreed. There's nothing worse than the end of the lesson and little Johnny leaves and the teacher sits there and goes, oh, he didn't pay me. <laughs> and that's happened. And Oh, yeah. And, and they'll let it go by four times. Yeah. Oh, he didn't pay me again. Mm. Oh, but it's okay. They'll get me next month. Maybe that pizza was a good idea. Yeah. You know, um, it's, yeah. So we're systemizing that. So, so the, the, the payments of the lesson are going to be so intuitive. They become invisible from the student paying the teacher. That's because the money, the money at lessons, and there's a video on my PeteBarter.com site at the bottom, which I have a bit of a ramble about cash at lessons. Um, there's, there's far more professional ways to run a business. It's, and that's only one of them. We could talk for another five hours on that. I must get on this plane. We totally I'm, like, could. <laughs> I'm flying out to Byron Bay, and I've just—you've probably heard earlier—I've been a little bit sidetracked because imagine if I was completely focused. Um, my uh, my phone's been beeping. You may have heard a whole heap of messages come through. My my mum's just gone to hospital here in Adelaide, so I need to see what's going on there. Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Yeah, she's had a couple of health issues recently, and so I've I've been that's been beeping. I've been keeping my eye on the phone, and everything's okay. I'm, to just let you know the, the family of well let's to... wrap this up so you can take care of your stuff and, I will yeah. you know we're Facebook friends and I follow you you follow me and we'll we can be in touch again fantastic this has been fun lovely to chat to you Lisa let's, uh, let's take yeah. over this let's fix this planet of ours let's do it right, let's do you. it ciao alright good night bye bye we hope you enjoyed Pete's podcast make sure you like subscribe and share with anyone you think will get value And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening.